Welcome to the Board Without Friends podcast. Today I'm joined by Jay and we discuss the election 2024, social media's impact, freedom, the role of government, and government secrets. What's good, Jay? How you living, man? It's all good, man. Just living, living life out in Singapore, watching, watching the U.S. being all crazy and whatnot. But uh, that is what it is, right? <laughs> that's what we do. We come off all crazy. I know everyone in the world is judging us. Everyone's a disapproving father right now. The U.S. Well, it's like watching a sitcom, uh, and I feel like, well, I mean, obviously the dude that just got voted out feels like it's like reality tv to him but it's it's real life my friend it is so real almost too real yeah i'm still <laughs> piecing all together and i think everyone is people were confident biden was gonna win but people were really taken aback by how it all went down all in all i think it was smoother than people thought i, I ever was acting like there's gonna be all this election fraud and all this kind of stuff i know there's reports and lawsuits and all that stuff but none of that's coming to fruition so it looked like the election itself went surprisingly smooth for how unprecedented it was yeah i mean i guess my biggest thing and the upsetting thing about it is that x million people still voted for trump right what about That's the upsetting 60, who voted for kanye yeah let's not talk about that let's <laughs> not talk about that guy but i'll 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 get back to him later we i have something to talk about about kanye but oh. let's talk let's talk about yeah let's talk about the middle of the country, man, where you're at. Like, what's going on, dude? I am in the middle of the country. The, yeah, the middle of the country, typically voting conservative. How they are as a voting block. I don't think there's any surprises. Like, all the states that they thought were going to vote red voted red. You got a lot of rural people. Rural people have conservative values. They don't want higher taxes. They want less government. They're afraid when you start talking about socialism and communism and higher taxes. They just don't want it. They want to... I, I don't deal with the government. I, I reluctantly play, pay taxes. I'm pretty self-dependent. I agree with that. But I guess the biggest surprise for me was Arizona. And I'm not sure if you read that article about the Native Americans working so hard to like flip that state blue, which is sort of incredible to me in general. And just to think that Native Americans and people of color did in, impact the vote more so this year than probably any other election. But yeah, Arizona was definitely a surprise. Just because of the contingent of Native Americans voting, which was pretty awesome. All right. I'm going to say that whole thing is bullshit. You think so is bullshit? I, I think they legitimately worked out well, but I don't think their actual efforts is what swung it. I think that's just some multiculturalism, wokeness thing to try to really man? sell that all this is working and that well, multiculturalism is the answer to everything. I think they you worked think hard. So? I think they got some, but to pretend like that swung the vote. Come on, man. To quote Joe Biden. I don't know, man. Arizona, <laughs> Arizona's been red for so long. Dude. Oh, it absolutely has. And, and them doing it is a contribution, but it's yeah. 1%, it's less than 1% of the population. Actually, I don't know in Arizona. I know nationally. Yeah. But I think it's a nice story, and I'm glad they're getting involved. But it's got to be weird there, too, because everyone's saying, we need to do something, but the government has done absolutely nothing for them. So, mm. Well, that's true. It's a hard victory to win. I guess it's good they got them voting, but yeah, it is a rough situation. And Joe Biden has a better track record with them. It looks like there's a lot of people who are confronting Native Americans with phrases like, 
go back to where you come from and kind of things like yeah. that. that everyone just tries to pretend like they're South American when they've been here before everyone. Mm. Yeah, I'm just trying to find statistics of apparently the size of the Native Americans that voted. I'm not trying to sway you. I'm just trying to I know. actually fact check this, this whole thing. It is pretty interesting, though, that it is the highest turnout, apparently, of Native Americans in, in an election, especially in Arizona. So that, that's what I'm more impressed about in general. And they, they're definitely taking it as if they switched. They, they did change the, you know, change Arizona red. But I'm just saying that it is very interesting that they're taking credit for it. I, so. I mean, it's, it's great we're giving them credit for it. But yeah, I think it's part of a grander yeah. narrative. Well, what is that grander narrative, my friend? Uh, that's, that is the hot button. <laughs> that, is <something, laughs> uh, that is something I've been spending way too much time looking into. That's been like uh, my other focus of my academic study <laughs> for fun is trying to get my head around this whole anti-racism, mm. multiculturalism perspective, trying to understand the, the pros and cons of it. I grew up on okay. a strictly multiculturalism diet like that's the way to go with things there yeah. is the, well, i mean for people like me and you right for sure yeah. Yeah, that's how i grew up i grew up with a ton of people mm -hmm. i grew up that diversity is super important we need to protect it and encourage it i'm not different from that i'm still in the same spot here but the i think the there's a line between being multiculturalism and going to the point of anti-racism i think anti-racism is part of the problem now that's that's something relatively new for me i it hasn't quite snuffed right but my big yeah tension is if you're going to say that something is either good or bad we're very lost we can't have a conversation where you've a racist the only space you're allowed to exist in is one of the two there has to be some sort of middle ground and grays i'm a gray person i am i probably would have eagerly said i was anti-racist maybe six months ago or before the pandemic yeah. before all this stuff happening but now i'm seeing all this weird chains and things and political manipulations where people are using it to try to bully people politically. This is not love. This is not trying to bring us all together. To me, it looks like it's, we need to make people guilty or yeah, we need to make people guilty of some sort of sins that undermine their credibility and therefore allow us to rise under attacking and taking people down instead of us all banging together and addressing Irish. Yeah. I, I have some, I've been getting some very, very getting very, very wary of it. Looks like that there's, in my opinion, lazy thinking and just trying to bully people. I feel that. Okay, before we get deep down to there, here I found it. So natives make up about six percent of the population of Arizona, or four hundred twenty-four thousand nine hundred fifty-five people as of twenty eighteen. Right. Navajo Nation has around sixty-seven thousand eligible voters this year alone. Navajo turned out by ninety-seven percent, which is sort of wild. <laughs> uh, so. Joe Biden won three counties that overlap the Navajo Nation with 73,954 votes. And Mr. Trump received a mere 2,010 votes. So, yes, it, it is true. I, I I agree with your narrative, but that's a pretty good amount, man. No, I, I, it's completely newsworthy. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong, and I'm not trying to take anything or diminish that. And it looks like if you just look at the numbers as a well 12,000 if you take away 60,000 67,000 then then they were lost so therefore they won it but you could have done it with any population you could have done that with yeah. blacks could have done it with latinos you could have done it with trans people it's uh well trans people are going to vote 90 percent joe biden are they the ones who are carrying joe biden the victory is you can cherry pick these things to say whatever narrative the news is 60 to 90 percent amazing that is that is something to be commended that they were able to get turnout like that. And the news should be that the Navajos are 
doing self-determination now. And, and that's great. And we should be focused on that instead of twisting it to, like, oh, well, they did all this stuff for the Democrats. It's like, no, mm. the Navajos, them uprising, I want to hear about their movement to get people to vote. What are they doing? What was inspiring them? What's the narrative out there that actually got them to show up? To me, that's the news, not this, oh, they carried it for Biden. I, I think that's yeah. just kissing people's feet and trying to make it so they show up in the yeah. future. Saying Ooh, that. We, sorry, gave we gave you credit. We gave you credit. We're trying to make it about the Democrats when this should be about the Navajo nations. And I don't know why they voted. I'm going to have to look into it now. I'm glad it brought up to me, but I never thought much about it. But they have some ideas in their head. There's a reason why they came out and voted. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, it's the pipeline, definitely, right? Because remember, they were mm-hmm. they were protesting that the, the pipeline, the XL pipeline that was going through yeah, but that wasn't, a few states, right? Yeah, that was, but that I mean, wasn't that, Arizona. That's part of it, right? But, right, uh, right. but part of it was they're disrespecting Indian laws and tradition, so I yeah, can see them. Yeah. I don't know if there's a full story there, so it could be related to that. But um, I, Yeah, it could be related. I think that's in Wyoming, right? That, that's, yeah, that was I mean, up north. But, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's all related, especially if you're messing with Native Americans, which is very interesting to me in general. Because <laughs> <laughs> they are, I mean... Uh, again, I'm not trying to be like, oh, they're more oppressed versus you know someone else. But I, you can say that Native Americans have, have lost a lot in general American history, right? So there, there's a strong argument to say that they are currently the most oppressed people in the United States. You could say that, yeah. You could you could probably debate that, but I can see that reason. That reasoning is pretty true for me in general. Uh, I think they've been they've been through a lot, so I'm glad that they're representing. But uh, speaking of, you know, minority groups, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, Stacey Abrams did a really good job in Georgia. How do you feel about that, Chris? She's been working hard on it. That has been her campaign. I still feel like that's part of a grander narrative. I'm getting oh into gosh. all these things. What, what, what the? What is your grander narrative? Let, let's n- talk about this. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's deep down. <laughs> let's let's uh, this pull is, this together. This put, is put still together. part of all the... We're propping up certain people to try to for political gain. So there's a reason why we found this person who's checking off all these boxes. We're putting her on a platform. She's working hard. She's doing great things. There are other people who are doing great things we're completely ignoring. There's a reason why we're reporting on this particular person. It's fitting some grander narrative. Mm. I, I'm not trying to diminish her accomplishments. She's an inspiring woman. She's doing great things. But again, we're trying to make her into a savior and saying, oh, she did all these great things. Her herself admitted she wants to be president. So this is part of some bigger thing to raise her cachet so she can potentially do a vice president run or VP run. She has very big political aspirations. And she is in the wave of Biden Democrats. She is known to ha- to be able to be somewhat bought and influenced by the working class. She's supposed to be very similar to like Kamala Harris as far as mm. suburban people love her. She can... She's going to carry that kind of vote. She's going to be moderate. She's going to go with the flow. There's nothing super progressive about her idea. She's very much a, a neoliberal, and mm. she's one of the most up-and-coming neoliberals. So I think, again, I'm getting to weird things here where I think it's she's getting propped up because the neoliberals are looking for the next candidate, and they want her as an option. Mm. She's doing great things, and she should be rewarded for it. So I'm not saying it's not newsworthy, and I'm not trying to undermine her accomplishment. Yeah. I'm not going to do any of that. But I also know there's some spin evolved in that kind of. No, I agree. I think I feel like, um, especially with you know Democrats being, I mean, it's what it's what we've talked about before. The Democrats are really like New Age Republicans, and the Republicans have gone yeah. off the radar. 
Um, I'm actually more looking forward to who's actually going to be super left. But whether it's AOC, whether it's someone else, I'm actually looking forward to when we figure out who the that new person will be. And whoever takes over Bernie's mantle, that is. So that would be interesting in general. Uh, I'm still... I think Yang is going to be the next one, man. I'm all, I don't I'm all think so, Yang, man. Yang. I mean, okay, I, I get it. I think my, my problem is, and I've told you this before, possibly, I think he's just too intellectual for America, for America to handle, to be honest. Um, I mean, I love him. Don't get me wrong. He has some awesome ideas. Uh, he has, I mean, Trump did what, you know, Yang was going to do, give everyone freaking checks. That was impressive. I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah, but, uh, I never saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, no one saw that coming. But, like, I just I just hope he finds some way to connect with the rural areas. Because the thing with him is, and I, I listen to him on podcasts, listen to him in interviews. He just, he comes off too smart. And I, that's my biggest worry. Like, But he also that, comes off so much more genuine than yeah, other people. Yeah, no, you I, feel agree. Like he, I agree. You feel like he's not putting in some political stance all the time. That's true. But I just can't. I just can't see rural America just being down to vote an Asian guy in. I just can't see it. <laughs> but again, I don't know if it's too smart. I don't know if that's it. I think it's more the, yeah. I want to be able to have a beer. And I think it's, he may be smart and he's clearly a nerd. He's not trying to hide from the fact that he's being the nerdy person. But he's also, all his campaign has been focused on Iowa, Midwest and stuff like that. All he does is bring that up every chance he gets. So he's hmm. hasn't been pandering to him. He's been talking about it for a few years. So I'm thinking he's got credibility there. But I may be wrong, too. They may be dismissing him as some liberal. He is not an establishment person. So I think he's going to do pretty well. I'm hoping mm. he shows up and actually gets, you know, 20% of the, the vote or something like that, at least. I'm thinking that is possible right now. I know he has very good relationship with Bernie. I'm not sure if Bernie's going to try to run for him. I assume he's not. But if he campaigned and endorsed someone, that'd be great. I'm not sure who would be the next super left candidate. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see an Asian American man in the president's seat. I would, I would be all about that, Jam. That, that is my thing. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But I'm just very skeptical about America in general, especially with the crap that's been happening lately. What I think is going to happen, I feel like Andrew Yang is going to be probably named to the cabinet, probably for the tech sector and whatnot, which makes sense to me. Uh, and I hope that actually does happen because that would be like just a stepping stone for him in general. Yeah, I think we talked about that in a previous podcast, but the, he wants to be some technology, automation, some sort of cabinet, potentially a new cabinet. Bertie wants to be the labor secretary. I don't think the writing's on a wall that it's actually going to happen. Yeah. I think it, it makes it a smart move to do all that stuff, but also if they give him that kind of power and legitimacy, it may make him a legitimate rival in the election in four years. Especially if they make good strides in there, he can try to run. I know they're really pushing Kamala Harris. And I think Kamala Harris is going to change herself into being the super left progressive candidate. She's going to say that I'm the new Bernie Sanders. I'm younger. I have political experience. I can do everything he could have done. She's been saying all the everything on the left playbook. Mm. So I, I assume that's going to the identity she's going to take. I'm not sure who else is is there that's was a candidate last time or has a chance of rising up that much AOC. I think she's going to get eaten alive if she has to do things. Cause she, she says uh, what the people want to hear, which is great. She's being populist, but I don't know how fact checked and how realistic a lot of those things are. They may sound good. They may make great sound by she's great at getting, getting the attention. I think she's a smart person. I think she knows what she's doing. So I don't think she's making any mistakes. I think everything there is reasonably calculated pandering to her audience very well. She's got a great audio. She's doing great at building that up. Yeah. 
but you know the the whole squad thing. I don't know if the squad thing is going to end in four to eight years, or is that yeah, going to knows? be the future? I think everyone's assuming it's going to be the future. I think it's going to be more short lived than that. Especially the more years you're a senator, the the more corrupt you get, the more wait, the more times you're forced to contradict yourself. They've always been in the minority. It's easy to be this outspoken minority, but to actually be in the majority and having to do in passing laws or being aligned with the president, never had to do that. It's easy to stand out and say, yeah, I'm opposition and it's what makes me unique, but you're not forced to broker deals. And oh. once you get to a position where she has to broker deals and agree with the president and all that kind of stuff, she's going to be taking positions that may seem hypocritical. It's going to happen. I know. I mean, that's why Mitch McConnell has been in the Senate for so long. Right, so. He's a master of being the minority. There's people out yeah. there who are suggesting that Mitch McConnell secretly wants that secret wants. He's okay with Republicans being a minority because that's how they think they succeed. Is they can just they know that the Democrats are going to negotiate in good faith. So if they just yeah. draw to the hard line, they can make the Democrats pass what they want by saying something extreme and getting it to compromise in the middle and they just keep on negotiating and basically getting what they would have done anyway, but they can just blame the Democrats for it. So I was like, it's, they've mastered being the minority party and they're doing great at it. They're being the minority wow. party, even though they're in the majority. Not yeah. great for the country, but great as a party. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about that narrative though? I feel like uh, as people call it Trumpism, right? Where it's very like, they claim they don't know. <laughs> they just claim fake media. There's a QA and non-senator that just got nominated. Uh, that's the scary uh, stuff. <laughs> we 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 have we we have a guy that's in a wheelchair from North Carolina that got voted in. That's known to be semi-white supremacist, and he visited like Adolf Hitler's like I guess vacation resort recently, which is sort of crazy. Uh, he, and he told somebody, uh, "Cry libs for winning his seat." This, so I mean. It's really sad what's happened to the Republican Party because I don't think they're, they are truly conservative anymore. I think they've gotten more extremist because of Trump. Yeah, I'd still say they're conservative, but there's a lot more other stuff sprinkled in there that was really hidden and not brought to the forefront. Now that's coming to the forefront, the QAnon stuff, and getting people with borderline, clearly all white supremacists, getting them out there. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> well, I'm sure... To be fair, there are plenty of flawed Democrats out there and people loose morals and things like that. But to me, the bigger question here is why didn't the Democrats win the Senate? What happened there? Well, I mean, the runoff, the runoff is going to be definitely deciding that in January. That's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think, I mean, there's a f couple of factors. I'm not sure if you, if you watched the, the series explained, right? I think the redistricting of certain areas, voting districts definitely impacted that, especially with because of uh, Republican control and rewriting those districts. Uh, there's, I mean, of course, you can also blame voter suppression if you want, but I feel like there's a lot of little things there that could have, you know, led to Republicans still controlling the Senate. All right. But I also, I, but I mean, I also want to, you know, cast some blame on, on the Democrats, right? Because it's not just because of that. Uh, I think they really still did not connect with the rural voters. They didn't connect with the right people in general. I think the people still don't trust each other, and that's why the country is still fragmented, and that's a shame. Yeah, so I, I'm sure we're all somewhat convinced voter suppression happened, but more people voted here than ever. Both yeah. candidates received more votes than any president has yeah. ever received in an election. I know the stuff with the districts, that's true on the, the state and local and all that stuff, but uh, as far as Senate, uh, that's really not impacting the Senate. You're just voting for a senator. So it doesn't mm. go in there. You could argue that the voting 
districts are so weird that it's a really hard commute for people. But I'm thinking there is a big thing. There's also something which I don't think a lot is being reported on, but blacks and Latino males especially voted pretty significantly higher for Trump than they had in the past. White men voted more Democratic than they had in the past. Interesting. Those are complicated things. Like what's going on there that the Democrats were more appealing to this time around, Democrats were more appealing to white people and less appealing to people of color, specifically yeah. blacks and I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, maybe it's because of what how the economy is being treated, these healthcare issues, possibly. Who knows? There could be a, different layers to it, right, that we may not know about right now. I think one of the interesting layers that has been brought up, right, is maybe because of social media. Who knows? People are stuck in just their bubbles and they believe everything they say, see. So they just stick to their lanes, right? And they just, mm-hmm. you know, believe that this is gonna, that like, you know, whether you're red or blue, this is like happening. Uh, here, let me let me humor you with some of these posts that a person I know or <laughs> semi-related to will post. Uh, I love this. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this report. Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from President Trump to Biden. Amazing, 941,000 Trump votes deleted. Like, uh, and here's another one. Developing, Pelosi's chief of staff is also chief executive of Dominion ballot counting systems. Uh, they the say, person. yeah, it, it, they say it's Feinstein's husband's company. Things add up 100%. I, I just don't understand, like, I mean, then there's this one, like, there is no president-elect fact that people decide, not the media, just clearing up the delusion. Dates and process below for reading enjoyment. The dates below that they're pointing to is, of course, December 14th, when electors vote in their states, right? Um, usually, and I've been researching this, usually the electors don't usually sway. They actually follow, mm-hmm. you know, legal, right? They abide by how people vote. If anyone were to go against that, there are a lot of issues. A lot of legal issues actually so you never want to go against your state i think that's like suicide in general uh but yeah i think you're seeing a lot of posts like this uh, for me it's sad but for me it's also it, it's good for me to see the different perspectives and i would rather see that than being stuck in my my lane in general so yeah i see other things where like detroit leaks videos of voter fraud in michigan and <laughs> i'm just like what is happening man like People really believe this stuff, and it's not just uh, these folks that I'm reading their posts, but like other people also believe in it. Um, and then you have other people who are just like, okay, let's like sit down and talk about it now. Like, I don't like the fact that Democrats are making us be out to be bad guys uh, after four years, right? But it's just funny to me that um, you know this always happens every election year. There's always someone complaining. There's always some some call about something being rigged, uh, yeah. fake news everywhere. And I just, I really don't know how to remedy this, dude. Like, this is, it's amusing, but also very sad, so. Yeah, there's always some conspiracy theorist that comes out with some theory after one of the elections. There's always something to blame. Someone's doing something shady. They're always going to be out there. Now we have people with the platforms to get that out to a lot more people. And this is, again, part of maybe why some of those votes for men change in ways people are not expecting the theory is this whole uh, wokeness back backlash thing people being to a point where we're policing speech and that's making people nervous that people feel 
I'm not saying that it actually is that First Amendment is being infringed on and in jeopardy because of some stuff posted online. It's conservatives tend to be funnier online. So people are seeing that like, oh, I don't agree with it, but it's funny. And then people get annoyed that that person gets blocked. Uh, mm. Plenty of Democrats are doing it. I see a lot of people who are fighting back and forth. And then uh, the conservatives are just rushing to ban people and things like that. And liberals doing it. So it's all dog eats dog stuff. But the bigger question I want to ask you is about do you feel it's appropriate for these companies, social media companies, to be proactive in removing content they feel is wrong? Or do you think it should be more of the wild, wild west, what's, what's put out there is put out there as long as it's not promoting violence? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, of course, as someone that used to be employed by a social media company, I think it's fine to have freedom of speech, but like, there is some crazy stuff out there. I mean, you, they already filter like the gory stuff where people die. Like, I remember there was a site called Ogrish where you get like photos of like people being decapitated or like when people died or jumped in front of a train, right? You don't see that in main mainstream news. They filter it for a reason. So I feel like, you know, back in the day, like, yeah, it was already happening to be honest, right? Then, and now it's just becoming overwhelming just because there's so many bots. There's so many inter, inter um, interferences from different countries. And it's gotten so bad that there needs to be some sort of filter system. I mean, yeah, I think it was bad that the New York Post like took down that Hunter Biden uh, news article. I think that was pretty bad. Uh, but I mean, remember when Bill Clinton had an affair and it was like everywhere? It was on the Star News, right? Oh, I forget. What, yeah, remember Social that? Media like was around back then, yeah, it would have been terrible. <laughs> yeah. So for, for so I think that's okay. I mean, you're gonna still have stories like that happen, but I think there needs to be some filtration or some sort of limit for these companies. To on, on what they can filter out. I mean, it makes sense that they filter out like pornographic stuff, gory stuff, like snuff films and all that. That that makes sense to me. But like, I feel like there is a certain limitation that these companies should be filtering because it is their responsibility, dude. Like, it is their platform for stuff. Uh, they've created the platform so people could like report on stuff, whether it's not not just a reporter, but me like reporting about my life and why I hate people so <laughs> but like but i'm just saying that uh yeah i think there it goes two ways to be honest i think there there's a limit right there's a limit on how much a person can say or post because you saw what happened with those people that were planning to kidnap the the governor of michigan right yeah, was michigan scary. yeah so and the FBI, fbi was watching the whole thing which is fascinating to me that that just shows that the fbi is keeping tabs on people so not surprising. <laughs> they're probably listening to us right now, but that's fine. Whatever. Um, I think if they're not filtering all this content, who is? Is it the FBI? Is it someone else? Like who's pulling the strings in the end? Yeah, and then people are going to argue that people shouldn't be pulling the strings, but I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about it either. I I'm still yeah. in the, uh, there's the, the cliche that's been going around everywhere and I keep on hearing is the, the cure to bad speech is more speech. So it's, you just put more stuff out there and keep on getting it and we're going to let the a massive amount of ideas overcome ignorance. So if we just keep on putting ideas yeah. out there and letting the letting the cream rise to the top and criticizing things and the battle of ideas, whoever's gonna has the best arguments gonna want to floating up top. I think that's in theory how we think about things and how we want things to work, but I'm not sure that's the reality. To me, I, I'm not sure I'm not big on blocking things because I think we just polarize. Mm. We think like, oh screw Facebook, they blocked me or screw Twitter, they blocked me. Yeah. So you, you think it's you versus Twitter at this point or it's Twitter versus people, it's your ideology i would much rather there be some sort of voting and bias flags on there 
So when you have some sort of rating on your content, you have a 50 cent rating on how factual people think your posts are. You have, uh, so someone's not gonna really rely on it. Oh, I see that people flag your stuff as consistently being very right wing. There's nothing wrong with you posting things that are right wing. There's nothing wrong with you posting yeah. things that aren't factual. But if we don't, if we're seeing everything in a vacuum all the time and we're surrounded by so much that we can't ever see the context, why can't we inform the content? We can say yeah. that I can let you know, okay, this person's constantly having things that are flagged as inaccurate. If we knew more about the people flag things inaccurate and say it's flagged inaccurate by liberal people, I don't see an mm. issue with that. I don't think that's censorship. Mm. I think we're saying these are some of the facts we're being transparent about who's flagging what and what are their motivations. Or even if you flag something, you can flag it and saying, this seems right wing. And what is your political affiliation? People want to lie and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's ways to game it. But I, I think it's more sun, uh, more exposure. I prefer that. But again, you're talking about hate speech and that gets really weird. And now at this point, people are going off and making everything hate speech. And what is violent? People are going to say, oh, well, we don't want to promote violence. But now people are saying that words are violence. So we, almost everything we do online is considered or interpreted as violence by someone. It gets very confusing. Yeah. And uh, just two hours ago, Donald Trump just tweeted he won because the election was rigged. <laughs> <laughs> and it's now trending that he... He didn't concede. He just said he's never conceding. He, he just said, yeah, he's never he's never going to concede. But he did just say he won, and he's just going to keep saying he is rigged. But it's very interesting if you're watching the implosion happen between Fox News and Trump, and the fact that Trump is now like repping Newsmax, which is like a super right wing, super you know uh, how you say paranoid, very fictitious side. Yeah, conspiracies. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just watching that's very interesting to me because um, the fact that these news companies are now like, dude, you lost, like, you need to shut up because we, we do want you, they feel like he could win in 2024 if he shut up, right? I mean, hell, like, I, I believe he could possibly run in 2024 and win again. But the fact that people are going against him now, and like you said, I think we talked about, it, I think he's planning to, like, eventually run his own news network or you know, back one of these news networks yeah, like this Newsmax aligns or with possibly. It. Yeah, just go yeah. And rival against yeah. Fox News, get himself yeah. on the, the TV all the time. He's doing uh -huh. segment after segment. They're going to ask him what his opinion is, and he's going to say Joe Biden was terrible at this. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting because that means Fox, what, what, what will happen to Fox is we'll probably become either the centrist right wing, which will be very interesting, and then Newsmax, Newsmax will probably become like the super right with like, Example like Huffington Post is super left, right? As we all know, in general, um, and a few other are. I feel like New York Times is slowly going super left because, uh, especially the way they criticize Trump. Like I get it, guys. Like you guys, you know, Trump hates you guys, but I just feel like New York Times is super. It's going super biased now, and I, I don't like that. I don't like that the fact that, uh, like what we talked about, social media is being a little bit biased. Uh, I don't like the fact that news news companies are being super biased. Like, give me some unfiltered news. Like, I, I love the fact that I can go to Al Jazeera and just read about unbiased news. And it's just very they don't they don't they don't go anti-American. They just give me like what I want to hear. And there's like no echo chamber from both sides. And it's just a nice in between. BBC was was like that, and then they turned into. I feel like there's a little bit left loving, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's for me. I, I I don't trust the news anymore. It sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's 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 very sad, Chris. I like this is what's happened. 
social media and the news has definitely made me lose the trust in everything now. Yeah, I feel you with the New York Times. I feel like five years ago they were pristine. I just would just yeah eat anything they would say and all right, that sounds good. I know they're respecting. I have the assumption that they did their due diligence. That has been deteriorating, especially the last two years. There's clearly bias in there. Part of the problem is also that the bias is being evidenced by people posting a lot of opinion pieces. So I'm not sh they are definitely biased, but I don't think they're quite as biased as people are making out to be because people are promoting yeah. opinion pieces, pretending like this is their mainstream thing. Yes, they're not using editorial pieces, the editorial process to keep these pieces out. So that's on them, but and they're okay with having a left-leaning opinion section of their paper. That's fine. I don't really blame them too much. I, I wish it was more balanced, but it's clearly a super left-leaning in their opinions. And it looks like their news is slowly getting there. There is a lot of our pe uh, reporters listening to saying that how the journalism political spectrum has changed. There used to be a lot of these aren't there anymore. And a lot of that is the struggle to keep up with modern times. And they're saying that's also some of the failures of current education. So that's just yeah. producing people that are more leftist than they ever have in the past. And people are more educated, so they're more entitled to think they're smarter than the next person because they everyone's got a degree now. So this degree makes me legit. I'm to school and I heard this person. And then as far as news networks, I've been starting to listen to The Hill a lot more just so I can... Yeah, The Hill is nice. Yeah. The Hill, they stay, they stay pretty center uh, compared to other sites. Uh, I'm looking at the media bias chart right now. So what I usually look at for news is usually what is listed here. NPR is actually I love pretty... NPR. NPR is great. Uh, Reuters is pretty good. AP, of course, is non-biased. Um, the Hill, like you said. Wall Street Journal, they actually do a good job, you know, handling both sides, I think. Mm -hmm. They don't go too biased, like New York Times. But you can see, it, it's very funny. Like, on, on the left, super left side, CNN. Like, who knew that CNN was going to go super left? <laughs> yeah, they've been there uh, for a while. Like, I literally uh, do dude. not share anything that has yeah. CNN on it. I'm like, I just don't want to be part of that. But like, I try to stick yeah. to the AP, NPR, and no, yeah. I try to because I have faith in those and not much else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like super left is like what I see a lot of my friends, obviously, because they went to purchase and they, they listen to Vox, Slate, New Yorker, New York Times. I mean, for me, it's all good fun because they are well written. Like I, I do like the New Yorker, very mm -hmm. funny. Uh, but I again, like they're they're super super left. But then when you go super right, it's like these these interesting ones that I, I don't read, but I pay attention to, like The Blaze, Daily Mail, <laughs> like Fox News, of course, The Federalist, National Review, New York Post, Opinion, which is very interesting, and then Newsmax, like uh, what Trump is backing now. But I mean, it's, it's good that there is a fine balance between extremisms, but I don't like the fact that it's become, uh, you're stuck in these bubbles of, seeing your friends share the same crap from these super left, super right areas, mm -hmm. and no one really shares the truth. And the truth is just fleeting now. Yeah, you're just going to see what whatever is put in front of you, and you're going to interpret that as being real, because I experienced it, I had some visceral reaction to it. So, okay, that's real to me. And the weird thing with Fox News is their news quality versus their opinion pieces and entertainment stuff is so different. Yeah, You get a a solid news program from them. You're going to get realistic people. You're going to get some Democrats who are actually reporting the news to you and journalistic integrity. When you get their opinion pieces, a lot of that stuff is just thrown out the window. It's like there's clearly a slant in there. But they managed to have that one part that's 
has integrity in it. People are dismissing Fox News News Network when those things are usually pretty well. That's probably pretty close to Washington Post kind of. Mm-hmm. It's super frustrating. And I, I, I feel like my, my, my vision of the future of, of what's going to happen is I feel like there's going to be like a Twitter left and a Twitter right. That this is what this is what I feel like is going to happen. We are going to split into these stupid bubbles. Unfortunately, I think this is where we're headed, and it's just going to divide the country even more. Not just our country, but it's going to divide everything in general. And technology is really sad. it's making things sad. That's what, that's what it is. I mean, okay, America is just one example, right? But if you look at the Philippines, a pure example of like the president like disbanded and fired people reporting against him. Very similar to similar what you know Trump was experiencing in America, but the president of the Philippines literally disbanded a news network just because the news network kept attacking him. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you can say about that. That's some dictatorship right there. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. That's it's, what makes America. That was the single thing that made America great is that we had true, legitimate freedom of speech, freedom yeah. of press. There are other, plenty other places, even these countries we think of a free where it's not true freedom of speech your words can be is policed by the government you saying something that's not politically correct can get you in trouble it's supposed to be in america there's no leeway on that everything is is okay as long as you're not physically hurting someone committing another crime with it you can say whatever the heck you want it could be horror horrific it can be gruesome it's freedom of speech and there are a lot of people who see existential issues when we start crouching in on that and that's one of the things that that's going to be one of the cliches. That's always what conservatives are arguing is that liberals are trying to police our speech, police our freedom, not let us be a, be who we want to be or who we naturally are. We always have to think carefully, pick our words carefully. Liberals Wear are saying a mask that. or not. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's the, I want to do what I want to do. And that's supposed to be freedom. And I know I have what freedom is. And by being pro-freedom, I'm being pro-America as much as I can. And liberals are always, we need to be part of a grander society. We need to work together. We need to communicate uh, your freedom and taking your freedom to the extreme is actually encroaching someone else's freedom. So you get into that and that's a more intellectual argument and comparing things so it gets more nuanced and more gray the, the more you talk about it. There are, these are the ideas that someone, we're always going to be in conflict because of this. Someone's always going to say it's their, their freedom. They can say what they want to say. And someone's always going to say, you taking your freedom to extreme is actually encroaching stuff. There's two fundamental different ways to look at speech. And one is super extreme American. One is, I am trying just to work with people. But again, yeah. is that holding up to the American ideal? Or are we being, it gets really weird. I'm not sure how I feel about these. I feel freedom of speech is the most deep and controversial topic there is. What do you think the solution is, Chris? I think the solution is we need to allow more stuff out there, but we are always retorting in a conversation you have the decency not to offend people but if people are just not going to have that decency we need to put context out there unless we we just see a tweet that's independent i think what i proposed earlier where we're having a profile based on user feedback other users have said this about you said that about you you personally are getting honest feedback about your stuff so that allows you to help become the person you want to be if i'm finding that my stuff sounds too conservative Maybe I would look into it. If I think I'm being this post that I thought was unifying, people are saying, oh, that's some liberal bullcrap. And you were 
you would be immune to that because you just got you know 20 likes on it. You thought it was a unifying thing. It was great. Everyone liked it. But you don't realize it offended five people over there. You're, you're ignorant. And unless we're getting feedback, we're never getting feedback. We're just getting likes. So if one person likes it, then that's cool. Oh, everyone else must have just missed it. No, you're never getting negative feedback on your and if you never give negative feedback you're always going to do what gets you some sort of reaction yeah i mean be just very interesting just to put everyone in the chinese context of how chinese government controls the news because if it was like that everyone would be upset i think that would be very interesting to unify everybody underneath that whole umbrella of the of how bad it can actually get because obviously for me someone that has traveled to different countries and has to use VPN and, you know, know that the government is controlling what is shown to the people and talk to those people. Some of them, you know, believing it, some people being smart enough to know that there is a whole world out, outside of your country and reading the news and being aware are two different perspectives. Uh, I mean, there's one, of course, you know, there's one way of feeling about it where you're extra loyalists and you're very proud about your country and you just believe everything that your government says versus the self-thinkers, free thinkers that, that know that there is something out there more so than, you know, what's happening or what's being shown to you. But I mean, I, I think China and America are actually very similar if you think about it in those regards, right? Because I think, um, you know, the, these people feel like we're oppressing them with the news that we're showing them. And they feel like, no, there, there's much more out there. Uh, I'm going to believe what I believe in. But the, the issue is there's no real source of truth and that source of truth is filtered down for these folks whether you are in china or in america and i think there's going to be i don't i don't know what the solution is to be honest because i feel like possibly the solution is you know filtering out or you know putting everything out there <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing it's like yeah. we keep on getting to that loop of do we cut more back or do we let more out yeah. and I, I don't know which one of those works better if you Look at the American ideals. It would seem to point that we should do everything out. But do we need to have something in, in American perspective? Is that our bias? We're pretending like this is perfect. That may, The businesses are clearly saying that freedom of speech is not great for business. It's, it's good, but to a certain extent. But once you get to the extremes of it, it's actually bad for business. I want to ask you something. Are Chinese yeah. people oppressed? I mean, it depends on how you view it, right? <laughs> Uh, I think they're doing pretty well te technologically. Uh, their businesses are doing amazing. So, uh, I mean, but you did see uh, if you if you were reading the news that Ant, Ant Financial, which is the the big finance startup in China, their IPO got shut down by the government because Jack Ma, the founder, attacked the government for all their regulations and rules uh, on you know clamping down on on the startup. So, I mean. I feel like there is some oppression there that does happen, but I feel like some people go with the oppression, right? And they, I feel like some people are actually okay with that. They're okay with what they're seeing. They're okay with what they're fed. Mm -hmm. And I think that really depends on your perspective and your personality at life in general. Like if you can hand, handle that versus, you know, what America's, you know, with the multiple news outlets and whatever, then it really just depends on you as a person. I guess. I mean, do you because feel the comes, average person in China feels oppressed? I don't know. The people I've talked to, they seem pretty happy, uh, and they're very supportive of the government. I mean, of course, I still talk to people who are just like you know very skeptical and aware. I think it, those is the people that are well traveled and uh, have gotten out of the country and know that there is much more that that can happen. 
But at the same time, like, right, so if you, China is one example, but if you go to Singapore, it's very controlled. It technically is one government. The government mm-hmm. really doesn't change. Uh, you could probably call it a, you know, communist country if you wanted to. But in general, everyone's safe. Everyone's okay. Uh, I think you are, you know, spe- spoon-fed, you know, certain news. And that, that's okay. I think for for a country like such so small like Singapore, I think for me, like, I'm okay with dealing with that. Like, you can't do drugs here. You can't shit you gum and spit on the ground you can't do certain things can't walk around naked inside your own house apparently uh you get fined for that but i think you know for me uh i think it really just depends on the person and your way of life or your at your especially at your certain age i think certain people mature over a certain point of time and it goes deeper into like a deeper like you know growth stage of your life like where do you want to be because to be honest like you don't have to be in america you can just move out i mean trump threatened to move if you lost right so if you really don't like it there then move i mean i i don't dislike america uh actually i enjoy it i love california i love new york but i just got sick of it i got sick of <laughs> sick of sick of what we're talking about right now and i think at my point of life i just want things simple enough where i feel like i'm not going to be oppressed not get shot at don't have to deal with crazy people on the street i mean you're gonna still see crazy people wherever you are regardless but you know i mean we talked about earlier in other podcasts people you know screaming out that i'm like you should go back home i'm a chink all this crazy stuff so to be honest i mean i'm okay with it it just really depends on the point of view of the person yeah i think you're hitting on a whole bunch of points that i was hoping to coyly bring up and you're just saying them so i'm glad i think we're getting on the same page because one of the things we have is this uh idea of freedom and we think of freedom as this existential thing that it's you know god-given freedom we're meant to be able to do all these things but that's not necessarily how china singapore how their average citizen sees that yeah we think freedom anyone who does not have the level of freedom or the types of freedoms we have in america is being oppressed that that is the average stance of the average american is that people in china people singapore they're oppressed if you talk to those people they do not feel oppressed. So we're saying that we know they're oppressed better than themselves. They can argue that we're being oppressed because we have all this freedom that we're being controlled by businesses and we're still being controlled by the government in just little backhanded ways. Here, they're not lying. We know exactly what to expect from them. They're not pretending like they're not controlling these things. It, and freedom of speech, we get back to that in America, that's a huge ideal. But we're really the only place with true freedom of speech. Most of the, the world does not have true freedom of speech yeah is it ridiculous for us to even have that standard it sounds nice it sounds great but it is an extreme perspective and i think that the extremeness of that perspective is rooted in causing all these issues because you can always just someone can basically just beat up any conversation and just say well no freedom of speech so i can say whatever i want i could be as bad as i want they're they're saying i'm being for our society by proposing and proponing freedom of speech in most extreme situations. I'm actually being aggressive and being negative to the people around me, but I'm looking at the bigger context of our society and saying that if we don't protect the sanctity of free speech, we're losing. So therefore I could do all these terrible things as long as I'm holding up this ideal. And then we, I, I yeah. kind of went into this earlier where the liberals are saying that, no, 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 we need to think about society when we're doing all these respect of your neighbors, trying to make people get along. Both people are, are pretending they're looking out, looking out for society. Or maybe they both legitimately are. But I think there's some lying to yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's also an issue with those people that 
are willing to be like claiming free of speech, freedom of speech. Because you have those situations where, you know, a male or female is sexually harassed and the guy or girl says something or does something very, you know, sexual and they're, this person feels uncomfortable and the person either claims hashtag me too or I'm, I'm offended. And the other person just claims like, no, like I've just, you know, felt like what I'm doing was like the right thing to do or whatever. And there's two perspectives to it. There are two stories to it. But regardless, I think when you boil boils down to it, it's like, is it the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? And that's why, you know, regardless of the, whoever gets in trouble, you have this weird, you know, double-sided sword of like mm-hmm. what's actually right or wrong. And that's really upsetting now. Like that's what's become of, of America. And, you know, yeah, of course, everyone should have moral standards. And of course, people should be respected of their rights, their, their human right of being free and being respected and not being like scared or feeling you know uncomfortable what i'm saying is the fact that everyone uses that na- uses it now as an excuse and that's really upsetting because now everyone's going to just you know point fingers at each other and i feel like it's not going to end anytime soon that's where i'm getting at too like it doesn't wind up being corrosive having that extreme position of yeah. freedom of speech it sounds great it is a core ideal i'm not saying i'm anti-free speech I'm a proponent, we were talking about before, like, I think the solution to social media is putting more stuff out there, just giving us more context. Yeah. So I, it gets, it gets so sticky so quick. It's just, it's a hard time to think, a hard thing to think of, but that's the whole point. If it's so nuanced and we're expecting and uh, telling people that they need to get this nuanced critique of freedom of speech, it's going to get rejected. People are going to say, you're trying to make this too nuanced when it's something that's very clear. The constitution says freedom of speech, we need to just realize it says that and anything that gets in a way that it's pretty clear for you to know when something is not uh, is going against freedom of speech if you yeah. feel like you're getting you know this is the whole thing on like the wokeness i feel like i'm getting crowded in there i feel like my freedom of speech is done i, I want to say something and now i can't so i feel freedom of speech is violated but to <laughs> get the nuanced critique well this offends that person and blah 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 but it's gonna say well i was offended that you critiqued me so it gets very nuanced, very complicated, very quickly when you start to say, what is human decency? That is a nuanced argument mm. versus the black and white of, I could say what I want to say when I... Yeah. It's a slippery slope, my furry friend. It definitely Slippery is. slope. I don't really know how it's going to be solved in general. So yeah, speaking, speaking of uh, <laughs> the slippery slope of what is right and what is wrong. Let, let's go back to Kanye for a second. Oh, Kanye. Here we go. Here we go. So, I mean, I'm not talking about him presidential, right, elect. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about what he did recently for Kim Kardashian. Did you, did you, did you see this? He got a holographic uh, message done of Kim Kardashian's dad, who passed away, like, years ago. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, you know, the father... Like, you know, did this whole message, this whole spiel, and, and it was crazy because it's like he, it's like from the grave, just like speaking to Kim Kardashian for her birthday, right? And then he calls Kanye the most genius, 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 you know, artist in the world or whatever. But like, is that right? And is that wrong? I would like, be so pissed off. I would have been livid if you did that. That seems because, so disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. And um, if you saw like, the other tweets is hilarious. Like uh, for my friend, for for my friend's birthday, I, I couldn't find their find their dad, so I dug up their dad's corpse for their birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, man, it was there. There's a lot of right, rights and wrong with what you're seeing, and I'm not sure like 
was it right for like a holographic Tupac to appear on the stage and rap at Coachella with Snoop Dogg and <laughs> Dr. Dre? See, that's is that right? Really different. Like, Why? Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. I'm just I saying. Know. Like, is it right or wrong to have like a holographic and Michael Jackson like uh, freaking dance on the stage with Justin Timberlake? I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, it, it is getting weird. We're blurring the lines with technology, and it's sort of amazing to me. It is. To me, like, if you're – I'm doing a cover of a song, and then I put – superimpose the artist into the performance, I don't see an issue with that. If you were to take Tupac and have him sing a Justin Bieber song, yeah, I'd have problems with that. If you're yeah. just doing that weird deep fake thing where it's not something this person actually did in their life, and now you're saying something – in their perspective so you're trying to make it like they approve or they said these words to me that's that's messed up you're just defaking you're you're putting out lies in there and you're nippling someone yeah it's like it's like the reface app that everyone's now using or the the reface filter on instagram where everyone will take up the face of the artist that's singing a song mm-hmm. or manipulating what a person is saying a celebrity is saying with their voice and i think it's getting into dangerous territory because like everyone has a warrant right Eventually, someone is going to tweet, maybe like a Trump, going to tweet someone like saying this is fake news, blah, blah, blah. This is this is what's happening. And then everyone's going to take it as real. Uh, I think technology is not prepared for that. And I think it it could happen. I think you could see a news outlet possibly come up with some crazy stuff with uh, or or maybe an outside government interference with the video saying like, yeah, the electorate vote actually is for Trump or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I think we're heading into dangerous waters with, with this technology, whether it's holography or refacing a person on, on something. I think in general, no one's ready and there's no filtration system, but it goes back to what you said, right? Should it be out there? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that you said. Is it, uh, are you encroaching on our freedom by not letting us do this? You're, yeah. you're imposing things. Yeah. What there are always laws. There's some things you can't do. And again, this is, are you, is it just automatic slander if you're taking yeah. someone and making them say something that, to me, that's, you're breaking a law by, by making someone do something they didn't approve of. I, and it gets weird. Like the whole defect, you're superposing someone on there, making them say things. If it's not something someone actually did, I'm also waiting for someone to claim that something was a deep fake that actually happened. Like, I didn't yeah. say that. That was, someone made that up. That interview wasn't real. They just deep faked it the well, entire it's gonna time. Happen. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're yeah. getting there. Yeah, deepfakes is such a whole thing. Uh, yeah, and then uh, you can superimpose and make people do anything you want. And you put people in compromising yeah. positions, saying compromising things. It's, well, it's such a bad yeah. situation. Well, I mean, also, soon people are going to develop AI to, you know, talk like the person, look like the person, and say things. But speaking of compromised positions, did you see the Borat, se- Borat sequel where Rudy Giuliani was caught? With his hands down his pants with uh, the fake daughter of Borat. Yeah, I saw the uh, clip, but I didn't see the movie. Uh, yeah, that was hilarious. I mean, again, uh, it seems like Rudy Giuliani was, was caught off guard by the whole thing. And he was actually pretty pissed about it. <laughs> seems like it was a real deal, my friend. From what I've heard is he actually had a microphone on. Yeah. And he was 
either adjusting or taking trying to take out the microphone and that's all it was it was just one of the things that they had a mm. microphone and they were doing that and he's an old guy he's got to lean back to try to do it he can't just do things like that so i'm far and saying there's legitimate it was a legitimate hit job from what i've heard from but do you believe that chris <laughs> I, I think it involves borat so i'm pretty confident it was a hit job just because borat was there that's literally all he does is i'm gonna set someone up and make them do something that they didn't really intend to or make them say something so uh, there's funny. some really shady cuts in those kind of movies as well there are there are yeah so i was like i, I don't trust anything that happens in a borat movie as an accurate representation so of the people. funny though yeah <laughs> uh, hilarious i i get the yeah. humor in it all but uh to pretend like it's news and factual it's like it's really not if you notice the news outlets really didn't get on top of it because yeah they knew there wasn't too much legitimacy on it so funny but he was he was pretty pissed i mean People were pretty upset about it in general, So, along with Trump. It's just so funny that uh, the fact that politics and movies are now slowly going into that direction of, like, criticizing each other. I mean, that's always been that like that, right? I just miss people being idiots, like, on Jackass and doing stupid stuff like that. <laughs> but but now everyone does it on Instagram, so I that's say, why. You get Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and a lot of stuff on, like, TikTok. Like, you're just getting people being authentic then. People being authentic, it's, you know, voyeurism when I'm watching someone's real life and you don't think it's too cut. That's one of the issues I have with YouTube now is everything I see on YouTube, I'm like, I know this was staged. You're pretending like this. Almost every video well, I yeah. see, I know yeah. this is staged. And they're like, oh, yeah. no, that's hilarious. It is, but it's completely staged. Just happen to be filming, happen to catch this. And that's the problem, right? With any Facebook video, YouTube video or whatever that looks like amazing like that's the problem everyone says it's staged now and everyone will claim no it's real it's like those freaking movies that says like based on a true story yeah like i hate that it like now we're just slowly going delving deep into the whole like what's real what's not um yeah sort of and then so do you buy into the do you buy into the narrative that all art is political uh yeah i think i i think so if you extend that narrative, that means literally every post you make on social media is political Everything you're doing is at all times political. So you're just making a generic post and saying, I'm okay with my status quo right now. Any news article you think, there's some perspective and narrative you're trying to push. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, if you think about it, right, if someone is just posting the nice things about their life, they are just showing the things that they want you to see, bro. Yeah, they're and putting that, the best foot forward. Yeah. They want you to think yeah. that they're living this glamorous life, they yeah. their life. Yeah, so it is. It is. I agree. So what does it say about me that I only post stupid puns? <laughs> you're 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 a corny guy, my friend. You're a corny guy. That's that that's what it shows. <laughs> uh, I, I literally I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but yeah, I've just did that because all I see is political and biased stuff being put everywhere and everyone's just getting so negative and beat down by news and life. Like I'm gonna make them see something dumb every time they log on to <laughs> Facebook and well, just bring a little congrats. bit of joy to them. Congrats, you, you, you've done a good job of doing it. And now our, our mutual friend Stephen has jumped on it. And yeah, I, I, don't know which is, I don't know which which is funnier, his or yours. And I, I think he's getting pretty good. I think he's uh, better than me right now. <laughs> he's new at the game, so he's been he's putting all the extra work in there. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I've also been using social media less and less. I turned off all the notifications. So unless someone comments on my post, I don't see a notification. And that's when really reducing the amount of time I've been playing on social media. Yeah, yeah. So, so give a taste to our to our listeners. The what type of puns you post then? Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I will find one on. 
I will find some stuff I've posted up recently. And also, it is hilarious, too, that I was kind of anti-pun when I started. I was not really finding them funny, but I know other people did, so I was just doing it in a way to just bridge the gap. But I slowly started to appreciate them. Just Come on. I got... I, I'm getting numb to puns. Math puns make me number. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love the, those dumb ones, like the airplane ones where it's like someone taking a literal yeah. and just taking the most stupidest. Oh man. Yeah, there are some good ones on there. I just try to post positivity because I know there's nothing else out there. Oh, the, the one, okay, I just I, I just remembered this one. That's so funny you post. It's like, my wife is going to labor. What should I do? Is this her first job? No, this is her husband. <laughs> It's a phone call between the nurse and the husband. It's so good. I love it. So the nurse calls out the husband. It's like, oh, is this the first child? And then it's also funny because every once in a while, I'll post something that's not a pun. And people are like, I read this four or five times. I'm like, I'm trying to find the pun in here. Like, no. I was just putting out some general news on there. Like, I was just posting something quick about, I I was talking to one of the nurses from the COVID unit out here. And she was in hospital. So I posted it out there. Everyone's like, wait. This isn't a pun? I know. I felt there was a need. I needed to put that out there, but that's my that's own hilarious. bias too. Like uh, I felt a public service. Enough. Did you did you like the pun I shared with you? Why can't Trump go to the White House anymore? Family's like, even... why? Because it's for Biden. Oh, God. <laughs> so guys listen to the song and it's like, um, I do like to read dubs like that when someone terms it. Some funny stuff. You gotta be loving life sometimes. I wanted to be, I was being super serious and causing controversies on there, but I also felt it was a little corrosive to myself. But part of that is, if you're okay with the status quo, you're doing fine. If you're not pushing politics, you're going to be pretty even-keeled. It's when you're mm. pushing politics, you're suffering emotionally. I don't know if that's productive, but at the same time, is are you pushing the status quo by not pushing your political agenda? Yeah, But sure. I, But also at the same time is, what the hell do you know about politics? You're pretending like you have this deep, insightful thing. You're just some random person who read a couple of articles pushing their agenda. So why are Speaking we listening of- to it? Speaking of people pushing their agenda, Chris, let, let's switch topics because people were pushing their agenda in this sports league recently. In the NBA, my friend, did you enjoy the fact that sports players could have anything on the back of their jerseys during the NBA uh, playoffs during the, in the bubble? Did you see that? I, I like that the players had the option to pick their thing. I did not like it because it seemed just like some political stunt. It didn't seem yeah. like... It was like, oh, we need to play appease the the athletes, the black athletes, because they're they're gonna riot or protest. We need to give them, throw them a bone. So we're gonna let them put some political message on the back of that. I felt it was all just stunt and stage and tactical. I don't feel like there was any. Uh, there's nothing authentic about it. I didn't feel there's no. anything redeemable about it. I like that there are some players who were standing up. There are some players who stood during the national anthem and they got to voice their thing. Even like John Pop, John Popovich, John. Popovich? I, I'm sorry. Why can't I You're remember first Greg name? Popovich, my Greg friend. Greg Popovich. What the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> Greg Popovich even stood up there and said, you know, he wasn't at people talking about doing things out of respect for troops and people calling him out for it. And LeBron did that whole article because he's kind of taking my side in here. Like, you're really trying to control the narrative here. I didn't yeah. get to put what I want on it. You told me I can use these approved phrases. And uh, they really just took the freedom out of the player's hands. It, it seemed like a lip service move. So I'm glad that LeBron spoke up about it. That was being a leader. Mm. How do you feel about the whole situation? I mean, it was okay with it, but I'm still not happy with the NFL and how they treated Kaepernick. Still not happy about it. Um, I mean, it's great that he apologized 
and the players are definitely more vocal about it, the Black Lives movement uh, in general. But uh, not great that they're still freezing this guy out of a job. And I mean, we're both in fantasy leagues, same fantasy league, right? And you know, it's a lot of really crappy quarterbacks out there. And the fact that this dude can't still get a job, and you know how many so many yeah, injuries have been, up right? Or third string, dude. Like it's so bad. Like Dak Prescott got injured. Oh, uh, killed me. <laughs> yeah, Gardner Minshew got injured. There's so many bad quarterback, bad backup quarterbacks right now, and so many starters are injured right now. It's just upsetting that this dude can't even get a starting job. Like, why can't like Bill Belichick just dial up Colin Kaepernick? I mean, you saw how bad Cam Newton has been lately. Yeah. Just give give him a freaking chance, dude. It's 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 sad. Part of it is also he's expecting a certain amount of money, really pushing for a starter salary. So people are like, yeah. I don't want to give that kind of money to a backup. And uh, there are people who I think are legitimately questioning whether he'd rather be a full-time activist. Yeah, He's probably more valuable as a full-time activist than a starting quarterback. Him being able to play football and prove he can still play football is a good way of keeping his voice alive. But him showing up to events, I think, is and doing all that stuff full-time, I think that's a better use of his time, personally. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, dude. I just, I just want to see him get a chance again. That's all. Yeah, and at this point, he's so far removed that I can't imagine too many people being confident to do it. Yeah, I was so pissed off, and I thought the whole thing was dumb that in the first year or two. But at this point, I don't, I don't think I would even want my teams to to pick him up because just so far removed, and they're going to spend so much to to have him as a backup. Doesn't seem a yeah. good deal. I know they were talking about the Ravens. If one of their quarterbacks got hurt, it would make a lot of sense for them to pick him up. I can see a situation like that. Yeah. Where you have someone, a team that's built around a mobile quarterback, but they have RG3 and Lamar Jackson. But if either of them got hurt, I could see them bringing Kaepernick. That would make. I know. It's at least, at least, as, uh, you probably didn't get me murmuring, but at least he's not Tim Tebow. So. Uh, <laughs> that's Tebow. He's on my Mets still. He's going to hey, be trying hey, out for the, ba- the yeah. best club. Speaking of he's, Mets, oh, uh, no. This could not be a better time to be <laughs> a Mets fan in the world. Why? Why is this? Why is this a good time to be a Mets fan right now? Because we got the richest owner in the in the league right now. Oh we just got Steve gosh. Cohen. We got the money. They're gonna start bringing in free agents. They're gonna start rebuilding the organization. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> he's saying they're what? gonna be in. He's expecting to win a World Series within three to five years. That's ridiculous. So he's gonna be like the Dodgers then. Yeah, he literally said, "I want to be <laughs> like the Dodgers." <laughs> Literally words from his mouth. The franchise I think I'd like to emulate is the Dodgers. I'm very happy that they won the World Series, by the way. And aside from personal opinions of this being a real like season or not, I'm actually very happy that the Dodgers finally won. I don't I, I don't care if there's an asterisk. I'm just very happy that Clayton Kershaw actually won like a World Series, quote unquote. If there if there is like an asterisk, if you want to give it this season an asterisk, I don't get but, the uh, yeah the season. Yes, I don't think the the players are so long and, yeah. and grueling, so like I don't see that as much. I to me the asterisk is more on like the stats of the year and who won Cy yeah. Young, who won the World Series. The playoffs, I, I'm more likely to buy into that. Uh, Did you watch, by the way? Because I know you we, you mentioned that you didn't watch baseball as much. Yeah, I did not watch too much of World Series. I paid roughly attention to it, but I always was lose good, steam man. around the World Series because like it was good. I know the team that made it out of my league, and then for some reason that's satisfying enough to me. Who actually wins yeah. the World Series, I don't care about, but I care more about the pennant and the championship series. Cause I f- uh, respect. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a heated rivalry. That's always going to be the peak. Yeah. You see the back and forth. To me, that's all the drama is in there. And then the, the World yeah. Series is just the, all right, 
that's just uh, putting a little frosting on it. But I like seeing the, how the cake is made and all that stuff. This this is just decorative stuff on top. It's never a good was, matchup. It's always that series is always back and forth in the championships. It was a good series. I I, I did like Tam- oh dude. I was pulling for Tampa Bay so hard, um, but I'm sad it didn't go to seven games. Uh, me me and again our mutual friend Dennis was also pulling for a seven game series. It would have been amazing if Tampa Bay had pulled it off. But it was a good series. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was watching actually every game because it was just a well-fought uh, World Series in general. Not memorable, but like definitely... I'm all, I mean, there are a few memorable play uh, plays in general, especially with mm-hmm. like Tampa Bay coming back and winning one, one of the games. That was incredible. So, yeah. Uh, very, very good World Series in general, but just very happy that the Dodgers finally won. Uh, speaking of you know baseball owners and managers and whatever are you are you stoked about miami marlins hiring a female uh gm i, I think it's pretty cool i did not hear about it. who's uh the oh GM? you didn't know so mommy the miami marlins hired kim Ong, uh, oh, okay. being the first gm and she was she used to be assistant to uh brian cashman in the new york yankees yeah, uh, she's say, been around she's yeah. been around she's been like on yeah. top of the list to become a gm for a yeah. while so yeah, that's great. She she definitely paid her dues. There's no cronyism or stacking the deck there. It's like she paid her dues. She she did everything. She's been on the radar for a bit, so I'm very happy for her. I think that's great. And it's nice that someone got the opportunity. They proved they were successful. She's clearly one of the the best baseball minds out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just happy that Derek Jeter, man, making moves. <laughs> yeah, it makes What's sense. He had a connection for with the Yankees. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me that Marlins actually made the playoffs. That was actually hilarious to me. I did not expect that that was going to happen this year. Who knew? With Who a knew? short the season. Team. Yeah, they have yeah, with the... a short season. I think that's the reason why. Part of the reason why. <laughs> think so? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Blue Jays also made the playoffs, and I was also not hoping for them to do well because they're just not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, the Mets had like three starters go down, Dude, and they just never like had a chance. Yeah, they never had a chance. Like. <clears throat> they were they were better than the Marlins going into the season. Just they just lost all their pitchers before the season. Yeah. And then it's and the season's so short that if you're out for two weeks because of a you've gone the DL, that's what like a third of the season or something like that. It's some absurd amount. So yeah, yeah. then you have to factor COVID into it too because the person has to be tested. Uh huh. They're out for like two three weeks. Like to be honest, it's actually pretty shitty to be a fantasy player right now. Any fantasy sports player, it's just shitty to be. Yeah, you just find out, like, oh, my quarterback <laughs> is gone. <laughs> yeah, like, ben, ben Roethlisberger is in testing still, and you won't find out if he's available until, like, this Sunday. And uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, there was a lot of people who didn't do fantasy sports because of that. I would not have done fantasy baseball this year. That would have Fantasy football seemed like there's a chance. I no confidence we'd get this many weeks in. I'm very surprised that it's been going on I, I mean, long. I'm pleasantly surprised, but, again, I'm, I'm not – looking forward to the end of the season because it's going to be winter we still haven't hit thanksgiving dude we still haven't hit Chris- christmas yet like it's it's gonna get scary dude like i still don't yeah like, i don't know if you've how, been yeah, how are you seen about up, the man? rates out here the rates, oh yeah dude it's crazy yeah, they're, they're, tell they're me about it worst yeah. they've ever been and then we're, we're still before thanksgiving so i assume thanksgiving is going to get even worse i think it's something like two hundred fifty thousand a day or some crap like that it's you know people are that stupid to go out and, and people, still do that. They're starting to do curfews and stuff. People are going to, they're, they're saying, bars and gyms are the main spreaders. Of course. Like, why are we doing this? 
And also, they're saying that those intimate gatherings with, you know, five to ten people, those are becoming more and more spreading events. It's like, uh, yeah. you're really not supposed to trust people. It gets it gets frustrating. That's one of the things I've changed my lifestyle since the start of COVID. I am doing things a lot differently now. How so, my friend? I, uh, I about, a, I'd say, probably about a month ago, I embraced that this, this was going to be going on for a year. I thought maybe we'd have some mm. limited openings. And then finally, the, the writing on the wall was, no, this is going to go on for at least a year. Now, I, I was thinking for a long time that all I'd do is get through like April-ish, there'd be a vaccine ready. And then for a reason, sometime it was looking less optimistic about that. Now it's looking like it's going to be, we're actually all going to have the chance to be vaccinated by April. It looks like it's super effective. I was starting to think that the vaccine is going to be like 60% effective. So how good is it really? But now they're saying mm-hmm. 90% effective. So that's good news. But I started embracing just putting out a lot of crap. I've been streaming two or three times a week on Twitch playing board games and Among Us and Jackbox, things like that. Just having fun, meeting up with people, trying to restart the getting together. I meet up with people every Friday just to have a, a quick chat. We play a couple of stupid games online and talking it up. I'm embracing having to do social life through online in ways that I was like, all right, I'll just hold off, hold off, hold off. I don't think I have a chance. And I also kept on seeing people being depressed and complaining about their situation, especially getting dark out. People are we're going out to bars and stuff or hanging outside and rates were not going up and now it's scary. So people are scared and lonely. So you got to, I'm trying to offer an outlet so people can meet up with me. We just shit the shit for a couple hours on Friday. I'm meeting up. Uh, we're doing a social event once, once a month on Saturdays as well. I prefer Fridays. I like having my weekend free, but yeah, I've been embracing that playing a little more games. I was not playing any video games cause I've seen, I wanted to try to get things to comp and mm. then I have a, the next two weeks off, so I got nothing to do. I'm probably going to start recording and putting out some YouTube videos. I've been preparing for a while, but I haven't committed to doing it. I got two weeks off. I got to do it. So doing some of that stuff, just embracing how, embracing a digital life and saying that, all right, I need to put my stuff out there on digital. I like to put myself out there, but I always do that in person and meeting people. Now I need to do digitally because I don't know how things are going to be. And I can't wait and keep my life in limbo for a year. Yeah, as you should not do that um, in general, because I think the world is, uh, well, for me, I've, I, obviously it's very different for me, obviously in Singapore. So I think for me, I've always had the mindset that this is going to be probably a year or two. And I think it hit Asia quicker than it hit America, obviously. Right. So my, my, my mindset ever since it started happening, maybe around February, March was like, we're going to be in this for a while. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's great that they're opening up travels for us to like Hong Kong and possibly Taiwan and other countries. But I think the the crappy part about it, and I mean, people still travel in the United States, right? They still go to Hawaii, they still do stuff and still get sick, right? But I think the issue now with people opening up is the fact that you, you have to get tested. So no one has figured out the rapid testing solution yet, but the fact that you have to get tested uh, three days before your flight the testing adds up it's like 500 to 900 dollars or whatnot including the flight flight tickets which is also like tripled or doubled from what it was before so like a week yeah (laughs) so uh, yeah so but it's like a weekend in hong kong now adds up to like uh it would be probably like 1500 usd to 2000 usd when usually as a person that travels a lot to hong kong it's right around like 500 to a thousand dollars well 500 to 700 dollars for flying cheap that is so 
yeah, it's 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 way too much now. So yeah, I hear you. It's just getting, and I'm also confronted now with I want to go back for the holidays. It's the worst time ever to travel. And they keep on saying, oh, it's safe on airplanes. Like, yeah, no. but they have a very much invested interest in saying that. Oh, the filtration systems are great. You're actually no. safer on an airplane than ever, than anywhere else. No. Uh, and then if I, I get off the plane, and then what? Am I supposed to quarantine for a bit? And am I exposing people if I go, I meet one oh. person? Or if yeah. I go on the home tour, and I, oh, I'm home. I'm going to see this person, that person, that person. I'm seeing a whole bunch of people. And then am I getting in and spreading it to my family because... I need to go. I'm trying to see everyone because I haven't seen them in almost two years. So yeah. It's a really weird situation. We want to go home, but it seems irresponsible at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the, if you saw the New Jersey governor, someone was reading him a complaint that they feel uncomfortable wearing the mask. And then the New Jersey governor was like, you know what's uncomfortable? Dying. <laughs> you, should, you should look it up. That video clip's amazing. I was like, wow. It's just very straight to the point. I was like, I love that. So he that. just dead ass said, dying. Yeah, he just said, dying. <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, of course it's not funny, but like, it's like, wow, this dude was straight to the point. This is the type of East Coast type of straightforwardness that the world needs. Oh, um, but like, yeah, dude, it, it's it's really upsetting. Like, I'm probably never going to see my family for another year or so. Um, and I, I really don't know what's going to happen. Like, I... And, you know, it's great that the vaccine is, you know, 90% perfected, but uh, the girl I'm dating, she's a nurse, she, she doesn't believe the news either. She's like, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe any of this, whatever is happening, because, you know, vaccine, vaccines that are out there, um, effectiveness or not, there's still going to be some symptoms that you're not aware of. There's still going to be some things that they probably didn't test. I mean, it's always going to happen with a vaccine or not, right? Um, yeah. And I don't yeah. know. It's not like everyone's getting instantly exposed to it. It's 90% yeah. of the people they think didn't get it. So it's like, we don't really know of how many people were truly exposed. And yeah, we need some more information on it. Are you going to sign up to get the vaccine right away? How are you feeling about that? Uh, so Singapore, I, from what I know, this is just based on the knowledge I know. I'm not sure if this is real or fake. So don't take me take my word for it. But um in general i know singapore does have access to types of vaccines when they become available so we're not depending on just one we're going to be mm -hmm. depending on multiple different uh vaccines which is i think the smarter way to go no, to be honest us is doing the same thing there's at least three vaccines yeah. that they're ordering and expecting to get in there yeah but i think i'm gonna wait a bit to be honest I mean, it's the same procedure of how i'm approaching flying like uh and there's when i was talking to a one of the pilots that turn into like a grab drivers like if listeners don't know grab driver is very similar to like an uber driver so a pilot that was recently laid off or just on a break he was mentioning that you know you probably don't want to fly for the first few months because we haven't been flying out here in asia right um they've been mentioning that you know flying a plane you have to realize that pilots getting back into the cockpit uh they have to figure out turbulence again they have to it's like riding a bike you have to figure out you know the ways to deal with turbulence the landing strips for different cities uh, it's a whole different experience dude like you don't think about it. it's like driving a car you have to remember uh all these little things that you didn't think about because you've been away from the cockpit for so long uh yeah and i was like yeah you're right i'm not gonna fly for a while like i'm just <laughs> gonna chill chill for a bit and maybe like let it let it happen like let let watch people do it when, when it gets becomes more you know accessible and the flights happen more 
because you don't think about these things as a normal person. You don't think about like, oh, that's right. Like a pilot has to do all these things. Uh, and it's, it's going to be very interesting going into the future and then the next probably two, three years, probably of, on how travel is going to rebound in general, the travel sector, because, you know, of course, I think hotels have definitely gotten down the whole cleaning part, especially in Asia. The next part that people need to get down is the whole like airport, the whole flights in and out and how to deal with that. And that's, that's why I mentioned that having a rapid testing will be game changer because when rapid testing comes into play, people are going to know instantly if you have COVID or not. And that's going to you know reduce the amount of stress that you're going to have to deal with, the amount of money that you're going to have to you know possibly put into like you know staying in a hotel uh, put and, and relieve the mor- moral compass that you you know may get your family sick so whenever that rapid test comes that's going to be a game changer and i think that's what i'm actually waiting for and i i guarantee that's probably going to happen probably within the next year when when that does happen you know, i'll be more relieved to travel uh, more so more so than the vaccine because i feel like the vaccine will take a while to get right and i think yeah um at least you know, someone's got it right to 90% effectiveness. But I think what will definitely change and alleviate all the stress that you're talking about is the rapid testing. Yeah, the rapid testing would be is great. But even that, you could, you could be hanging out with someone, they could develop symptoms or become contagious while you're having a conversation with them. So it's never going to be zero. Um, I, that happened with the Republican thing, the convention. Everyone tested negative that day, but it's going on for 12, eight, 12 hours. Someone develops, that's a long period. Someone could start developing symptoms while there, and that's how it winds up becoming a spreader. The testing is good. It's as good as we can get. But you are talking about not getting it. So say it's coming out in December. Are you willing to take it in like April or June? Or are you talking a year from there or two years? I'm talking about maybe like, yeah, probably April. I'm willing to do that. But again, you still don't know what you still don't know right <laughs> yeah and we don't know long-term effects that we assume things but yeah i don't know it's a brand new way of doing it it attacks dna and all that stuff there was also a story about the app did you hear about the COVID app with in america or just in general there's an app that is able to detect with like 95 percent certainty whether you have covid based on your cough mm. so it's able to just hear like a specific rattle or something like that inside your cough that says, oh, nope, that is unique to COVID cough. So they're able to, with really high reliability, be able to identify people with COVID. Like, that's pretty interesting. I don't know mm. what you do with that, but it's cool it exists. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, they have an app here in Singapore that just traces you wherever yeah. you go because you have to check in everywhere. Um, and I think for me, I would, I like that. I like the fact that they're tracking me. And again, it comes back to, how much information you want the government to have. I think we talked about prior, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you had the type of tra- tracing system Singapore had in America, people would be spooked out. It's like, oh my gosh, the government has my information. They know where I'm going. They're taking away my freedoms, blah, blah, blah. They're not looking out for me. But if you think about it in a different way, and this is why I'm actually supportive of like what Singapore and China's doing, it's like, hey, they're actually watching out for me. The government, in good faith, is letting me know that, uh, yes, you are in this area, but we're going to let you know that if you are in a range of someone that has COVID or developed COVID symptoms, that you will be let know let known through a notification or a text or a call, and you just have to quarantine. Uh, I think that's that's great, but I can definitely understand the unwillingness of people to feel like 
they're taking away my freedoms. I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to do this? So it really depends on your perspective of like what, who is keeping who safe and who do you trust at this point? So yeah, would, yeah. would you rather have Google or your government track your, your location all the time? Ha! I mean, Google's already doing that. I right? know. <laughs> but uh, to be honest, like if, if you're, if you're dealing with, again, it really depends on your freedoms and your perspective of things. So if the government is actually trying in good faith, trying to like, you know, save your country and keep people healthy, then of course I'm going to trust the government. But uh, I mean, dictatorships, I think there's a very fine line of like, what is a dictatorship and impeding on my freedoms in general? Yeah, that's where it gets weird because you talk about contact tracing and like, yeah, we can all use our, our Google, our GPS data to figure out who you may have been in contact with when you have COVID. And we can in theory use all that to like, all right, all these dots you were within six feet or potentially risk at so all these people you get a, a an amber alert oh you may have been contaminated mm. if you weren't wearing a mask or socially distance this thing blah 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 self-quarantine uh, in theory we have the ability to do that but is that encroachment on on rights and the bigger thing is yeah they may be able to do that and it sounds creepy and all that and everyone thinks of you know big brother and all but google's currently doing that i think yeah. the issue is we don't have laws to say what they can and cannot do with it. We think yeah. we can get on government watch lists. We think we can use it on us in trial and court. Um, for some reason, we, we're giving away that data and that data is being manipulated and used to sell us products and capitalism. I'm not sure I fully understand all the bad things about a government having that information. Yeah, I'm sure there are mm. things I'm missing. I'm not keen on it. I would fight for the government to have that information, but I'm not sure why. I feel like my instinct is to, they can't ever have any of this information. They're going to track me. They're going to suppress me. But I don't know if that's just conspiracy and Big Brother and 1984 stuff, or is there any base in reality on that? And is what's happening there any worse than what's Google doing with my current look? Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, uh, I think we know that out here, the government will actually tell you in fine print that what they're doing with your data mm -hmm. and they actually tell you in fine print that they will delete the data because of you know obviously privacy issues and whatever they're not trying to keep it to like piss you off or they they're actually in good faith trying to take care of you which is interesting because it's like oh that's interesting like i never thought that the government would look out for me for my best interest uh and the fact that they're doing that Maybe I'm brainwashed a little bit. Who knows? But I'm actually all for for the government taking care of me right now in the city that I'm in. Because if the government wasn't doing that, then I'd be like complaining like the government's not doing enough. Right. So, yeah, that gets the whole thing. Is the government there to protect you or is it there to suppress? Supp yeah. Is it there to control you? And I'm more of the I think it's there to protect you. I don't think it's there to suppress you. I don't think there's much power to do it as yeah. as we think. It gets really confusing, but I think that's uh, one of the bigger things. Why are we trusting big tech companies to protect us? Why? They have no motivation to protect us. They need to protect us enough to stop us from stop using their mm. their software. So it's like, yeah. all you care about is is their use, your usage. So they'll do anything they can to get you to use. They'll make your life super, super easy, but as long as you keep on using their stuff. We don't let the sure. government do any of this stuff, and we're super opposed to it, but we're okay with tech companies doing it. I feel like yeah, I tech companies have replaced a government in a lot of places and we're letting them to do things we never let a government to do. And I'm not sure why. It's true. I agree. I just don't know. Um, we can elect our government. We can't elect our social media. What, yeah. Google and Facebook and Twitter 
they're making their decisions in their bubble. We have no pushback. We have no feedback. There's no loop in there for us to have democratic yeah. process in there. We can objectively argue and have a voice in the government. Go ahead. I kind of cut you off. No, no, it's true, dude. I, I think this is where we're headed in general. Like, because uh, to be honest, like if you see what China is doing and they partner with the the governments in general, and they do that a lot out here for tech companies. And I think I did a talk recently where I was talking about developing countries and how they end up partnering with the government to make sure that the company grows and they're doing the best things that they can do for the country in general and the people that live inside the country. But like someone asked, someone from Australia was asking that, um, do you think it's a bad idea not to talk to the government when we launch our product in this country? Because it's just going to slow us down. I'm like, well, if you look at prime examples of like Uber and other companies that launch in Southeast Asia or different countries, right? They bled money dude and they, they they just didn't work because they didn't work with the government so you know you can't come in with that mindset that you're just gonna assume that you're gonna be successful uh immediately because you're 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 launching as if you're launching in america it doesn't work that way so the fact that you know if if this is what direction that america is going in where the government is partnering with startups or tech tech companies i think i would rather that than a company just not having any limitations at all because they can do some funky stuff with your data as we saw with the cambridge analytics like you know uh what scam or whatever mm -hmm. yeah and then we're being manipulated every day by based on our data and that's yeah. being more closer to us than the government the government's a lot more hands-off than social media on our daily lives yeah. negatively impacted every day by social media company where you're talking about it's just different in perspective which you kind of talked about earlier that you're accepting the government to have a certain role they don't feel oppressed by it they're protect they're trusting the government to, to advocate for us who in the yeah. world advocates for us as americans there's no in theory our politicians but do they really is there's no unions there's no what protections do we have as someone who is picking up our banner i don't think we have anything at all we're all trying to make the best decisions for ourselves we look out for our family but no one's advocating for us. I don't think just about anywhere. At least no. in those countries, there are someone saying, I'm protecting you. And I may be, they may be heavy-handed at times, but there are certain things they're trying to do. I'm not saying I wish to be out there or I think that's a better way. I have no idea what's better. I like where I live. I'm happier with my life. I don't want to go to, I'm more fearful of living in a country like Singapore or China than I am in, in America. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to live in those countries, so I don't really have that perspective. So there's yeah. definitely bias in there. So, so, so one example that I love to use and tell people about is they have a do not call list in Singapore where you actually sign up your number, your mobile number, your house number, and all these agencies that usually call you for ads or whatever, they don't, they can't call you because the government has firmly said, if people sign up for this, you can't bother them. You can't send them anything. You can't call them or else we will penalize you. And I love that because in America, dude, you know. How many calls do you get in like, you know, fake like scams or whatever? These and for me, I'm less like, this is incredible. I love this. So, um, I love the fact that government's like watching out for me. So, again, I'm not trying to say that Singapore is amazing, but there's things like that that make me wonder, like, what, what, what the heck is America doing? We had a no call list and it yeah. used to be ironclad, you just sign yeah. up and it got weaker and weaker, but also now people are. They know someone's not on the no-call list, but since they can get your number so easily, they just call it, call it, call it, change the company, hide the company. Like, eh, they're just to keep on taking the risk. It's worth them trying to dodge the fine 
for all the marketing and all the access. So they're just yeah, they have no remorse, no re- no reason to uh, to hesitate in calling people and bugging people, even though the fine the fine's not an intimidation for them. They're not. That's crazy to me. Afraid of the teeth of the government. Yeah. Well, they should be. <laughs> well, right? that's the whole thing too. It's like we want to neuter the government, take its power away. We want to get all rid of all this regulation. So we keep on saying the government's good for nothing. The government's good for nothing. But we keep on stripping away its the regulations and what it's actually good for. And then anything that it does, where it's like, oh, they're terrible. It could be done so much more efficiently. Could it really? Do you? Really? There's no other company doing this. <laughs> and then, and then we get into like the ridiculousness of something where someone is supposed to be. We talked a little about this before. The government is supposed to be protecting you, right? That's that's the protect and serve kind of thing. Their main function is to protect you. We don't offer healthcare. How is that a thing? Like we want that to be privatized. If you lose your job, you lose your healthcare. There's no protection there. To me, that seems like the most ridiculous thing. Like that seems like like the one thing government should be doing is giving you healthcare. It's supposed to protect you. That's how it should protect you. I get you want to go above and beyond the healthcare of the government. Hmm. No problems there. But pretending like it's we want someone to have the invested interest in in outcomes with health it's weird shooting out health outcomes as a business opportunity seems so weird and dirty do you think it's also part of of people not wanting to pay for these social programs that benefit the rest of the people i mean i i understand that like i understand that perspective from conservative stuff like i don't want to pay for these people that didn't earn the money i earned and now I'm benefiting them when I should be benefiting myself. That That's my freedom, right? Like, I totally understand that perspective. But, like, uh, I think there there needs to be some sort of, like, compromise for that, especially when we should be protecting these people from, you know, not getting sick and, you know, some support, especially in the insurance side, right? All right. I'm going to get a little more philo- philosophical on you. <laughs> we're talking about, again, We're there's a big thing in here about what you deserve. Yeah. And I get where you're saying that I'm not using government resources. Why am I paying such high taxes when I'm getting nothing back from it? you're getting the luxury of living in a society that values what you're doing enough to pay you well. Yeah. You're getting the luxury of not being on the bottom there. There's a lot of things that you are benefiting in backhanded ways that if we give this information, this money out to people, we're sure people are alive. We're ensuring you have more customers. The customers have more money. So that money can get back to you for your product that is good. Hmm. So if we're keeping the customer base large, healthy, and well-funded, the best products we offer are going to get rewarded. Those stocks are going to go up. The best products out there are going to succeed. If we keep on cutting back resources, we keep on saying, oh, no, the poor people are making bad decisions. So if we give them money, the money is just going to be wasted. If they waste it, they're spending it and it's going back in the economy. But that's all another. So they're, they're wasting all that. So then we get less and less money into the government, uh, we're getting less and less money going back into the companies. So then the companies need to find creative ways to keep the money they have. So keep on getting taxes lower. They're going to reinvest in their companies. It's like there's a whole big cycle here that we, we feed into. On top of all that, we get into the, you're lucky that we're in a society that values skill, that values the skills you offer or values your particular core competence. Right now we're big into uh, tech things. So if you know how to code, that's great. You have a very good value in your ability to code. So you're going to get paid well because of that. But now someone who is super, uh, let's say you think of a coder as someone who's kind of an introvert, not someone who's super extrovert. They have a lot of skills in there. They're a salesperson, but they, and because they're an extrovert, we're not, we're rewarding them if they can sell, but if they're not that great at, at sales, or maybe they're okay with sales, sales can be up and down. Mm. In series, some salespeople can do 
make great, great money, but I think the average high-end coder is making more than the average pretty good sales. Uh, the average pretty good coder is getting more than the average pretty good salesman. They're both very talented things that no one else can really do, but we're choosing which ones. We're making more judgments about what we feel is more valuable. On top of all that, what you know now is valued, but is it going to be valued in five years? Do, you, do we have to continue to reinvent ourselves every five years to keep up with technology? Yeah, you know how to code, you know this language, but that language may be dying. Or we may be able to make automation and stuff, things that oh, they can code these kind of basic things. We don't need you to do that. Yeah. We're, there's all these value judgments in, that are temporary and fleeting. That I'm all for we need to just have a certain base quality of life. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like, I just want people to have a roof over their head, fed, and not have to worry about their health. Beyond that, you can do all the, what is your market marketability on there? Mm. I want people to be able to just spend their money how they feel is fit. I feel like right now we're doing too much to deregulate and prop up things that were successful. And if we, if we had a true free market level playing field where everyone is at a certain baseline and then the best products are receiving all the money. Right now... I think all the crappy products receive all the money because they're cheap. So we're just always going to give cheap things because people need, I need to save every penny so I can afford my rent. I can afford my healthcare bills, do some basic things. So I need to buy cheap crap because I have to work, still worry about my core essentials because they're taking up almost all of my money. Yeah. Facts. So let's, let's humor each other for the next 10 minutes, my friend, depending on how you answer this question. Oh no. So, as you know, Mr. Trump is on the way out, but as the president of the United States, you are told information that is classified. There is room for thought to think that Trump will relieve, reveal secrets when he gets out of presidency because he just doesn't care anymore. So let's say if you were in the same position and you were given to all the information as a president, whether it's secrets about military bases, whatever, what secret would you reveal and why? Let's stop pretending like we're not talking about aliens. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about aliens, but sure, let's, let's talk about that. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how there's been all this events where people are finding unidentified UFOs and they've been acknowledging the government spotting them. Yeah. I don't care so much about like JFK and Sasha and all that stuff. That would not matter to me. Trump tried to release documents. Well, what, be, what would you release? What would you release then? You. I, I don't see... I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so, like, there's, I'm sure there's all these espionage things and shady stuff we're doing in yeah. countries that are clearly unethical. Yeah. I would have an issue with that, and I would probably release it, or maybe I would try to make some mechanism inside of you know NSA and CIA to try to clean up some of that stuff. But this is also why I would never be elected president, because I would feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. The things that, uh, and then you also get into, I assume things are being hidden for a reason, and I would not get in that position because I would have a big mouth. The things that most interested me and the things I would most want to hear from Trump would be things on whether there's evidence of aliens, if there's any sort of secret history. Uh, I don't want to know about like terrorism and things like that. I know that's like the sausage is made kind of thing. There are some probably shady things we're doing, but they keep us safe. And I don't know where to draw that line. I'm not sure if they do keep us safe and all that. That's that's going to be well beyond me, even if I was. The president. sausages? The sausages? I think you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Like You don't want to see all the, the ground up meat and all that. It's disgusting. It's vile to see them going in the shredder and ugh, you don't, you don't want to see it. 
No one wants so what, what What do you want to hear? What, what, what will you release, Chris? You haven't answered the question. What I'd want to hear about is aliens. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why do you want to hear about aliens so badly? Why? I want to know if, there, if there's any evidence in there. To me, that colors so much of our history. If we know that there, are, there actually have been footprints and fingerprints on some of the stuff that we've done. If we have any deep information about our own history so it's informing things in the past mm. i think people would freak out they would freak out i think they would but if there was things like ancient aliens were real and things like that where we know the aliens were impacted or if we've actually found a ufo mm. i don't know how much that impacts someone else it's gonna freak people out but how much does it really impact your daily life <laughs> to anything if anything to me that's inspiration that these things are actually possible and more of a motivation to get into science that people are capable of intergalactic or interdimensional travel, transdimensional travel. That to me is more fascinating. I, w- I think the problem is I think it would shake everyone to the core if that information was released, especially like the religious zealots. That's for sure. I think people think that things are not limited to this earth. I guess you're right. There's probably people think that God chose earth, populated with it. There's no other deities and other planets. So if there's extraterrestrial life, that's a slight on the Bible. I can see that. But I think the vast majority of people are somewhat convinced that just the sheer number of planets and stars means there's got to be some sort of life out there. Hashtag alien. Hashtag alien. What are you thinking you would like to hear about? For me, I would actually want to hear about the, the, the testings that they've been doing on like cloning like that goes behind the scenes the gene because you know that okay yeah whether it's cloning a person or genes because i feel like that is happening and we don't know about it and i feel like it's happening behind the scenes i I guarantee that they've probably cloned a person already i know china's already done it and i guarantee probably the states have done it secretly uh and i'm sure that they've secretly you know looked at cloning human genomes and i i you have to at least think about like the things that they've probably done that they just don't want to say to the public just because you know that they like most things right the, if you know like they tested most things with the military first so like toothpaste they first tested with the military drones mm-hmm. they first tested with the military so there has to be at least a few things that they've been testing with the military that it's classified information that they still haven't released to the you know public and i feel like i think some of that is definitely whether it's cloning a human person, whether it's cloning, um, you know, genes or organs, whatever it is, I'm sure they've already done it and they just don't want to release it to the public because just think about the backlash you would see just because we clone somebody or just for organs or like, or like harvested organs yeah. for someone to Such live. Such moral right? gray area. Yeah. 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 And I like, and I, you know, China's doing, I know we've done some yeah. stuff with it. I'm thinking yeah. now too, like, I would really like to know what really happened during civil rights moment movement and during the mm. crack crack epidemic. Like what was really happening there? Did the did the CIA actually put like drugs in areas? What kind yeah. of shady stuff were they doing? I know there was some stuff released, but also does that does that stuff just piss people off and cite things? Is that is it productive to know any of that stuff? I guess it's a reason not to trust the government then. Is it a reason not to trust the government now? Because I think too often we say that, oh, the government's done bad stuff in the past, but th- mm. that doesn't necessarily speak to what's going on now. It says that they're capable of things, but we're not dealing with the same type of people. So that's where it gets weird. Like, does, is knowing a lot about history just complicating the, the present, or do we need to focus on what's going on? Yeah. I guess people are always like, I want to know what happened with Epstein, too. The government had to know something. <laughs> well, I mean, 
if you if you li- listen to like celebrities like Dave Chappelle talk about stuff like that, there's just some crazy underlying things that happened in Hollywood that he just definitely definitely saw and just was like, I'm gonna clean my hands uh, and just step away and don't want to deal with it because there's some things that I'm sure people know and don't want to talk about. Yeah, it's something like. To me, bringing things that are productive in the conversation are nice. There's a lot, plenty of things we could bring in that would just get people pissed off. And also, everything's going to seem unethical. Everything. You're just not in the moment. You don't have a full context. So in a vacuum, every single thing that we bring up is going to seem like, ah, that was shady. That was shady. So you're just going to piss people off. But I am also concerned about, you know, policing and inner city economics and housing things like like we know some statistics about cities that i think we're using to for like the fbi stuff about how they're controlling cities like what is like the underlining truth behind it it's clearly we're failing a lot of inner cities and i think there are policy edicts out there that we're really not privy to and i think are undermining it assumptions in there that are still haunting us to this day some of that stuff would be interesting like what is the fbi actually trying to do about that I don't yeah. know anything about the war on drugs. What's going on there now? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that I, it'd be cool to know about. But is it just making me more stressed at the end of the day? Is it actually furthering the conversation, helping us grow as a country? I think it would just push science and all the limitations that we don't even think about to a further degree. That's See, why. That's the thing. Like yeah. Aliens, yeah. I think, does, does that. It inspires us. Like, wait, yeah. stuff is possible. I mean, there's more questions, though. Same same with cloning, dude. I think, it, I think it's yeah. definitely... It's the same. It's in the same vicinity. So that's why I think we we both have very uh, parallel ideas. I think it would just shake the core of people and their morals probably a little bit more than we think. <laughs> so, but that's also part of you talking about science. But science is that you're being shooken. If you're comfortable, yeah. you're not experimenting. You're not being creative. You're not looking to new horizons. If we're being made uncomfortable, then we're going to ask hard questions and we're actually going to grow. If you if no one's ever made uncomfortable. This is, I'm going to go on a, a small tangent here, that one of the things with COVID is people are just isolating and they're just self-soothing all the time, self-soothing all the time, and people just are getting stagnant. People are not doing creative projects or anything like that. There's a lot of people who, I, I'm a professional creative, but I just can't do anything because I'm just stressed out. I need, yeah. no one's pushing, the, they're not interacting with people, so no one's pushing them to make changes. If you're uncomfortable, that's when you make changes. That's when you have new ideas. That's you find out who you really are. So that's one of the things too. People are going to say, just put our, put light on everything. If know it all and we get uncomfortable, then we're going to ask those questions. And maybe we're too focused on trying to protect people. And we don't know how people are really going to re- react. And the reason why they're going to overreact to this is because we've been hiding things from them forever. If we just were honest about everything, we wouldn't need to hide things because people would be able to handle what's actually going on. Yeah, that's true, bro. It is true. Well... With that being said, let's uh, close this episode, my friend. Thanks. It's good talking to you. We, it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. But yeah, uh, yeah I, we were definitely in the moment like, I want to just wait till the election because this is just chaos. We don't know anything and we're just talking speculative and breathing hot air. So thanks for joining me. Had a good time. Hey, welcome, bro. Until next time. Until next time.
Welcome to the Board Without Friends podcast. Today I'm joined by Jay. Today I'm joined by Jay. And we discuss the election, 2024, social media's impact, freedom, the role of government, and government secrets.